0: Hey, I'm Derek Jory from AcroMedia. Did you know that the number of new to e-commerce shoppers increased by 32.4% in 2020, and they spent 163% more online than the newcomer class of 2019? We can safely say that in the world of e-commerce, 2020 will be remembered as the year that transformed shoppers. For B2C companies, having a smooth, user-friendly online payment process became non-negotiable overnight. With that came a host of scenarios that fraudsters were ready and willing to take advantage of. To help B2C companies gain insights on the changing e-commerce landscape and to find out how to protect your business, we organized a live YouTube Q&A on May 5th. The following audio is from that conversation, hosted by Matt Gomez, Director of Business Development at Acromedia, and featuring Matthew Vega, the Director of Fraud Strategy and Chargebacks at BlueSnap, a global payments technology company, and Eric Hartwell a partner manager at Signified, the world's largest provider of guaranteed fraud protection. Enjoy. Okay, good morning
1: and welcome to our Q&A today. We're covering off secure online payments and fraud protection for the retail and B2C space. Uh, I'm Matt Gomez. I'm going to be the host and, uh, um, you know, the host today on the q and uh, I'm the Director of Business Development at AcroMedia. Um, and what you can expect today is a pretty open conversation. I've got two great guys with me here today, uh, experts in the field of payments and uh, fraud protection. And we're going to go through some pre-planned questions and then also kind of free ball it a little bit. Uh, prior to us starting, actually, we were all sharing some stories where we've all been uh, the victim of some fraudulent activity, uh, mostly through our own stupidity. So the good thing is we're speaking from an area of expertise on not only solving the problems, but also being got to. So uh, yeah, so uh, I'll hand over firstly to Eric Hartwell um, to introduce himself. Uh, So Eric, say hi. Yeah,
2: thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, Happy to be here. So my name is Eric Hartwell. I'm with uh, Signified. We are the world's largest provider of guaranteed fraud protection. Uh, we actually do a liability shift. So we shift the liability of fraud from the merchant to signified. Um, our entire goal is just to make the shopping experience easier for your customers uh, while completely
1: removing any fraudulent activity uh, from your website. So again, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. And uh, yeah, and my other panelist today is Matt Vega um, from BlueSnap.
3: Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. It's it's great speaking with you both. I am the director of fraud strategy and chargebacks with BlueSnap. We are a all-in-one uh, international payments company. Uh, been in the fraud prevention space for about fifteen years, spanning mostly e-commerce and uh, on the merchant side as well as uh, military intelligence. Uh, and then now I'm uh, now I'm in the uh, B2B and b b 2 c space with uh, uh, international payments, and I lead the fraud strategy for about three thousand merchants today.
1: Okay. Perfect. Awesome. So I couldn't have had two better panelists, to be honest, on on this subject. Um, and as I said at the start, I'm Matt Gomez, Director of Business Development at Acro Media, and Acro, as you may well know, is one of the leading e-commerce consultancy agencies in in North America, um, working on both the development side and the the planning and strategy for companies in the e-commerce space. So. Let's get started. Secure online payment and fraud protection. So I think I'll start with a question to, uh, to Matt, if you don't mind. Um, sure. so when we talk about payment security, what exactly does that entail?
3: Well, it really depends on, on, you know, there, there's multiple levels, right? So it depends on whether you're talking about e-commerce or, or, you know, we can kind of go in a little bit specific, but there's really, when, when people think of online security or payment security, there's really two areas that they can, that they're concerned about. Number one is the safety of their card, right? Whether or not their card is going to be compromised, whether or not someone's going to gain access to it, uh, right? So it, it could be through, uh, the, like a data breach. It could be through some sort of hack or release of information information. It could be from, you know, merchants not following PCI compliance, but most of the time it's related to online fraud, right? Or cyber fraud is another way that we call it. And and so basically it really falls under this umbrella of someone basically maliciously accessing your information and using your credit card, uh, you know, to purchase goods and, and go to Vegas and have a good time. (laughs) <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Almost sounds appealing, right?
1: Um, so <laughs> so what, are, what are some of the best practices for how you can kind of secure payments and, and how they're processed then?
3: Yeah, so you know, really, at at the end of the day, you know, when we first started off in this space, is you know, most merchants would start on this in-house solution where they would basically scramble to try and come up with ways to to innovate and come up with ways to kind of build their own in-house solution because there really wasn't very strong fraud prevention technology in in the industry. Now you've got you know some of the you know world-class leaders in the industry such as uh, you know the other panelists here and you know. Really what you need is you need to have an extremely good, extremely strong uh, fraud prevention technology partner uh, to to, to bring on board. And and the reason for it is, you know, you get a lot of benefits from bringing on another partner And instead of doing it in-house. There is some use cases where you could build it in-house, build some machine learning models and build some of these rule engines. But really when you partner with like Signified and some of the big players in the industry is really you're getting all of this expertise at a fraction of the cost you're getting this network effect where all, you know you have hundreds if not thousands of other merchants that are feeding data through these models which are making them more accurate right so if, if, a, if a fraudster hits you then the chances of them hitting someone else or vice versa is much higher right and so you can leverage some of that um, some some companies including like I said on uh, you know my, my fellow p- panelists here um, ha- have something called indemnified models indemnification that's where there's a liability shift so how nice would it be be to plug in your fraud fraud uh, solution and then you know go to sleep and never have to worry about it again because they're right. going to eat it. Uh, so <laughs> if you guys get hit with fraud, then the bill gets passed on to them. Um, so you know that that's kind of uh, that that's really just the gold standard today. Is you know you want to have some good you know some strong machine learning, maybe some some rules engines and security security features on your side, which we can go into. But the partnership is really key. Uh, it, it's really hard to beat nowadays. Okay
1: guess, really, that, that kind of leads me to Eric. I mean, I'm wondering why anyone wouldn't have signified if there's that indemnity piece in there, frankly. Um, but we can kind of come back to that. I mean, the, the fraud industry overall, Eric, um, especially kind of consumer behavior. I mean, we shared a few war stories just before we started. Um, could you talk a little bit about kind of what the overall, yeah, what the overall industry looks like?
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think uh, to start with that, you know, we need to talk a little bit about just the, the massive shift to online shopping over the past year and a half, two years. I think, um, you know, and Matt alluded to this as well. I think we're in the numbers right now. I think we accelerate to 2025, 2026 numbers of, you know, the amount of people that are shopping online. Uh, you know, we saw a massive just shift in new shoppers over the last year as well. Um, and with that came just an opportunity for fraudsters. I think uh, it's not just you know, as Matt says, it's not just you know, stolen credit cards anymore. It's account takeovers, it's reseller abuse, um, you know, it's bots. You know, with as technology has has increased, I think you know, bots are easier to make and deploy. Um, so I think there's a lot there that uh, you know that merchants have to just be aware of and protect themselves. Uh, and not only that, returns abuse. I mean, I think you know, when you talk about consumer behavior, you know, we always talk about Amazon. You always talk about you know each e-commerce company is trying to compete with. You know next day shipping, two days shipping makes it very difficult for these for these e-commerce companies. Um, and so I think there's just a lot there that they have to try and compete with and and you know build a, a great brand. and you know these e-commerce companies are very good at building you know their products, making their products, marketing their products, building their site, uh, and then having to worry about all these different types of fraud um, is just you know is is a unique scenario for for all of these merchants. so um, I think there's a lot there to, to discuss and unpack, but, um, you know, a good starting point, you know, over the last year, especially we've seen just a, a huge rise in, in, you know, fraudulent activities. So, uh, very difficult for these merchants to try and combat all these different types of frauds. So as Matt said, there's several solutions in the marketplace that I think they can take a look at. Um, and we encourage, you know, e-commerce companies to look at all of them. I mean, there's no, you know, each company is going to be a little bit different. And, you know, deciding what's the best path to, to combat all these different types of fraud, um, you know, is is a good way to look at it.
1: Yeah. And, and you would kind of mentioned the, the acceleration due to COVID of, of e-commerce. I mean, aside from pure volume, has there been any changes that have that, that you've seen due to COVID um, specifically? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Great question. Um, you know, I'm sure Matt can chime in on this as well, too. But I mean, I think the, you know, what I said earlier, the, the amount of new shoppers, that that creates a very unique um, challenge for these e-commerce companies because they're used to seeing, you know, a lot of the same shoppers, a lot of the same type of activities. So, and it not only was new shoppers, but it was, you know, you had individuals moving from New York, moving to, you know, the mountains in Colorado. So their, you know, their billing was different than their shipping, which creates a very unique challenge. You know, there's um, as Matt said too, and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of it. Of this, but there's, there's rules and filters and, and different things that merchants can kind of play with inside their payment gateway, inside their, you know, their, their econ platform. Um, and so if, if it is a shipping billing mismatch, you know, that creates a, a unique scenario for, you know, for these e-commerce companies to try and combat um, a couple other big ones for us, you know, the BOPIS shift, the buy online, pick up in store, the curbside um, that was, you know, that is such a unique, experience as a consumer. I absolutely love it. I mean, I'm, I'm a new parent. So being able to yeah. you know, have everything shipped to my house is great. But then also, you know, just going and be able to to buy online and, and grab a curbside real quick. I absolutely love that. But that created a unique scenario for merchants to try and defend against fraudsters as well. Because, you know, again, we saw a lot of account takeover issues uh, where, you know, individuals would, you know, hack in, buy something, you know, pretend to be the individual curbside and, and so how do merchants handle that how do merchants you know come up with a strategy to to defend against uh you know those those fraudulent bogus or curbside activities uh another big one was item not received you know with um you know with with uh what happened over the last course of the year and UPS FedEx all you know all of these different uh shipping companies not requiring signatures upon delivery right. we saw a massive uptick in in the item not received chargeback claim um so that's another unique uh, experience. And as Matt said earlier, you know, what, you know, if you're, if you're a merchant seeing a lot of those type of activities, you know, you need to probably outsource and, and try and come up with a a good partner that can help you with, you know, what exactly you're seeing, you know, from a, from a front perspective.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I guess then kind of Matt, like Eric touched on it there, you touched on it earlier, kind of the rules, the filters, the machine learning you can put into place. Like what are some of the examples of that?
3: Yeah, so there's, you know, it really depends on who you talk to. But there's, you know, really, there's kind of these three gold standards that I would say that people use. So number one is a traditional rules engine. Um, rules engines are very effective at hard blocking uh, behavior right, so for example, uh you know I could put you know hey <clears throat> if matt gomez's uh, credit card passes through and the shipping address is more than a hundred miles from the uh, billing address, block the transaction, excuse me. <clears throat> so you know rule engines can can create very strong filters that will really get rid of a lot of the the low sophistication in fraud attacks um even some of the higher sophistication you know for you know rule engines you can a good fraud analyst can put in some pretty advanced rules that will kind of filter and 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 just think of it as like a sledgehammer just kind of chipping away at all the all the all the really uh, really bad fraud that's going through and the ones that are very clear fraud that with low spoofing technology, um, those are really easy ones. The second step up I would say is machine learning and and there's different varieties of machine learning. There's supervised and unsupervised machine learning. Machine learning is incredibly good at being able to find uh, abnormalities within the data sets and identify patterns and locate things that a, a lot of times slip through rules engines. Um, I I don't know very many fraud prevention solutions out there that do not use a combination of uh, of machine learning as well. Um it, nowadays it's pretty much the gold standard. There's also at the at the payment level, right? So there's also payment rules in and, and different types of settings and and you know Eric Eric had mentioned some of this like in your payment gateway. So one of those is called ABS, <laughs> Excuse me. So, you know, a- address verification systems and all, all of these different services well, basically, you know, they're pretty ineffective in general. Most of the time, we don't recommend them. Most of the time, we, we tell people to shut them off or to use them as a, da- as a data point for machine learning, right? So like if we were to partner with Eric, then we would potentially pass that data point on, but we wouldn't right. use it to decision on. Um, so those are kind of the three main uh, areas that we kind of think of. Of course, there's, other, there's many, many other layers that you can go into, but at a high level, those are the three big ones got you
1: perfect thanks matt and and eric so matt mentioned they're like a, a fraud analyst and like signified obviously do do that kind of role what do you typically see in the companies you work with though do they usually have a person dedicated to this or are they are they just noticing that there's a problem and <laughs> and, and and googled it and kind of and found their way to you
2: yeah great question so i mean uh prior to my current role i spent two years on our, our sales team so my Entire role was just talking to merchants, trying to understand, you know, what they were going through, what they were dealing with, and then, you know, debating if they wanted to come on board with, you know, with Signified. And typically we, we would hear of three strategies, you know, strategy number one being, as, as Matt said, just kind of uncheck all those filters, all those, all those rules, let as many orders, you know, hit the system as possible. What ends up typically happening then is that, you know, teams end up dealing with chargebacks. Um, and so do you have an individual that fights those? Do you have an individual uh, or do you have a team of individuals that, that help fight chargebacks? Um, and those can be, you know, incredibly difficult to, to, to handle. I think, you know, typically when I spoke to merchants half the time, they only fought, you know, 50, 60% of them. Cause you know, 40, yeah. 50% of them, they, they just felt were too challenging to even fight. Um, so that, that was one strategy strategy. Number two is, you know, Matt alluded to just a high emphasis on manual review. So you'll have those rules, those filters, and then you'll have a, a certain subset of the orders, you know, maybe there was a dollar amount associated with. So every every order higher than $200, for example, would go to our manual review team. And that could be one individual, that could be a team of individuals, depending on the size of the company. I, you know, I spent, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to finance individuals, director of finances at, at really large growing companies that say, you know what, I spend two hours a day, you know, two, three hours a day looking at orders, trying to understand if these are. You know, good customers or bad customers. Um, so that's, I mean, that's you know, can be a, a pretty big burden on on those individuals that are trying to make that decision. And and you know, a lot of times they're just looking at Google, they're looking at Facebook, they're looking at LinkedIn, trying to you know, they're Google mapping the address, trying to understand if that's a you know, a good individual or a bad individual that might you know, take advantage of the brand. So that can be that can be really challenging. Um, and then the third one, just you know, as Matt said too, um, a lot of automatic declines. You know, where you'll you'll have a lot of those rules and filters in place where essentially they're treating almost every order the exact same um and so you're you know with that though comes you you are declining some good orders occasionally um so there's really three scenarios that we that we typically would see prior to you know someone looking at a company like like us or you know all the other players that are in this space
1: Got you, and, and and sorry if this this question seems a little uh, rudimentary or basic there uh, here, but you'd mentioned there where these these uh, these team members and often senior team members are spending time kind of reviewing the order to see if they think it's fraudulent and googling the people. Has the order gone through at that point, and now they're doing that retroactively, or is the order on hold effectively at that point until they approve it?
2: Typically, it's on hold. I think it can be both, depending on how you have your settings yeah. in the payment gateway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, typically it was on hold, if you will.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a tricky one because you want yeah. that instant gratification as the customer, right? And exactly, yeah. yeah.
2: And that ties into kind of that, uh, you know, consumer experience as well. So, you know, when you, uh, as Matt said, when you're looking to be, you know, a gold standard, those e co- companies that are meeting shipping requirements and shipping standards and, you know, getting the product out immediately, uh, you know, certain, you know, when you look at companies like, like us and others, you know, they can... Help kind of meet those consumer expectations.
3: Yeah,
1: and it, it, and I guess this is for both of you. Is there any kind of signals that that uh, the fraudsters can pick up prior to the to the uh, kind of the checkout flow where they know this is a site I shouldn't be messing with? Um, like, yeah. is there is there any kind of standard warning signs that that someone in the know who's trying to take advantage would see and instantly be like, you know what, I'll I'll try another site.
3: Yeah, they're, de- they're de- Eric, do you mind if I take this one? Yeah, go for it, please. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, there definitely are. So, uh, especially in the sophisticated network. So, one of the first things that they're going to look for is they're going to look at, like, your terms and services, right? Terms and conditions, right? Okay. They're going to see, can they find exploits in the, your policies, right? In your refund mm. policies, and in your chargeback policies and how you operate your business. Uh, sometimes they'll do testing. They'll kind of determine to see, you know, what kind of security features do you have? They'll potentially run a transaction and say, OK, let's see if they have 3D secure and they're going to step up or they're going to provide some sort of, you know, multi-factor, two-factor authentication. So, uh, you know, they can kind of like, almost like penetration testing your, your system for poor fraud, right? Um, and, and there's a variety of techniques, um, really sophisticated network Will go far beyond that, and they'll. They'll, for example, I can go on to LinkedIn and I can pull up. Uh, I can pull up Acromedia. I can pull up any of the companies out there. I can. Do, I can have a pretty good idea of who's at the company today based on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I can also determine if they have a fraud team. Right? Is there any fraud analyst positions within that company? Huh. Right? I could also look for potentially. You know how the structure of the company is. If there is a fraud team, I can look at that person's background and I can say, okay, this person. has has very little account takeover experience. So I'm going to actually target this company via account takeovers because this yep. guy's probably not going to know what to do. Um, so th- there's a variety of techniques that they use. And then if you really want to get sophisticated, and these are like when you start getting into the, the top tier uh, fraud networks, they'll even look for like current job openings, so for example if you have a fraud manager slot available uh, that you're hiring for and two analysts that means that like okay these guys are probably pretty desperate to to you know to stop some sort of issue that they're having and they probably also don't have the expertise in house to stop it so they're trying to hire it so yeah. i'm just going to just eat them alive Right. And so that's kind of, uh, you know, so th- those are just some high level examples of what they look for. There's a, there's a ton of other things that they look for. They look for partnerships, right. They look for, like, for example, if I was a fraudster, uh, you know, if, if all this company had was 3d secure or all this company had with some internal rules versus, you know, I can, I could find out that, you know, e- even going on some of the partner sites, right. I could go to count and have a fairly good idea of some of the big partners that count has or riskified or significant and a lot of times those are those are fairly public. And so, you know, the, it's a lot harder to get through a company when you have a bunch of professionals that are helping protect you than, you know, you know, you know some engineer in the basement that's coming up with some rules engines and thinking it's you know best in class. So that's kind of at a high level.
1: <laughs> that's, that's that's crazy. <laughs> like, I it just it reminds me of like our business development teams who are going out and looking at job openings to see who's totally. looking for e-commerce managers and <laughs> totally, it's, it,
3: absolutely. Yeah. So like,
1: how, so these these kind of you've you've mentioned a few times now these fraud networks. Like, is. From, a, from a, a retail point of view, I, are, they, are retailers more concerned or less concerned or equally concerned of like the odd person at home who's got, a you, know, a you know, trying to do a nefarious act, but they're kind of operating solo? Or is the much larger problem that there are these networks where they are doing, you know, large scrapes of cards and, and doing it in a very systematic way?
3: Yeah. I, I today I, I kind of put it into three categories, right? So definitely 100%, you have the one-offs that you're talking about. Those ones, I don't, they don't tend to be as sophisticated. They tend to fall under more of the friendly fraud category. So okay. uh, to give you an example of friendly fraud would be, you know, I purchased a service or, or I can say I could purchase a good. And then I'm going, even though I successfully got my orders, you know, or I successfully used the service, I'm going to claim fraud to my bank and say, Nope, I didn't approve this, this, i don't know anything about it i didn't receive this order right with the goal of both keeping the product and my money so that's friendly fraud that's the by far one of the most difficult to stop for for e-commerce merchants out there right um because of the fact you know if you have you know really strong fraud prevention measures then we can capture a ton of data on the back end to prove that this person wasn't legitimate but if the person was legitimate right? Then that's a whole different story. So yeah. uh, that's what, that's one of the big ones that, that e-commerce merchants face today, especially, um, you know, Eric had mentioned a few others, but there's, there's really these kind of three categories. You have these highly sophisticated networks. And by the way, the vast majority of the time merchants do not know that they're getting hit uh, by a sophisticated network. There's also something that we call fraud for hire now. So for okay. example, oh yeah. So you, you can go on there. There's multiple services. I won't, I won't give them plugs for <laughs> it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> But you can tell me the master. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's multiple services out there, and and they're very like well publicized as well. But basically, uh, I know there's one that I was I was talking to not recently that basically said, "Hey, we, we will even guarantee a, a refund up to ten thousand dollars." So what you're going to do is you're going to place an order on your card, right? We're going to basically capture it, or we're going to basically defraud them, and then we're going to do like a refund scam where we're going to put in, let's say you buy a TV. Well, the TV weighs one hundred and sixteen pounds. We're going to that cardboard box, we're gonna fill it up with a bunch of wood that weighs 116 pounds, and then we're gonna we're gonna send it in because we know that the SLA the turnaround time is gonna be like six months before they figure it out. So the, there's all sorts of crazy little like loopholes wow. and scams that they look for. Um, the other thing is, is of course, there's huge data breaches. There's billions. I mean, everyone should just assume that there's some Social Security and credit cards are already on on the deep web. Um, if you think it, that they're not, then then I I, I, I hate to break to you, but they are um and, and so you know and there's a lot of really easy ways to check to see if that that that's actually true but for example uh, we sell your data that there's a company called we sell your data um and for 10 bucks i can go on there and probably buy your credit cards your social security number date of birth any of your pass addresses so um these are like these are e-commerce companies by the way these are not deep web companies you can you can buy this on the open net so uh that's, you, know, that's really the three categories right you have these professional fraud networks that are that are using you know sophisticated malware, they're spoofing device ID, they're spoofing device fingerprinting. Um, I've seen even like, like government funded uh, fraud. So if you start looking at China and North Korea in particular, mm-hmm. North Korea will very very frequently like fund operations because of the fact that they need income, I- incoming money. That's why they're involved in a lot of cyber attacks. Wow. Um, and, and then of course you have these one-offs which are a little bit less sophisticated, but they're just as big of a pain because, and they're very nagging because they're all over the place. Some of them will just use, you know, Stolen cards. Some of them are, you know, 18 year old kids doing something stupid, and then the friendly fraud is really a big piece, or people claiming like they didn't receive the order, right? Because yeah. it's very hard to prove. There's some ways around that. There's some tricks that you can that you can put in, but at a high level, that's kind of the big categories.
1: Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll save you the ten bucks on pulling my data. I can tell you my credit <laughs> yeah. cards are maxed, and you're always welcome at my home, so uh, I can send yeah. you the address for that. So. So Eric, from from your point, then I mean, with Signified and you guys, kind of effectively, um, you know, covering the, the 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 losses. Like, are you guys concerned in the same way as as uh, as, as matters with regards to you know, friendly as maybe less, but not as, but much much harder to to stop. Um, and then you have these larger, sophisticated networks. Like, where do you guys really prioritize, or or what are you most worried of?
2: Yeah. I'd say it's, it's, it's all of it. You know, I yeah. think that as Matt alluded to the, the friendly fraud, those are tougher to fight. And I think that's where our, you know, as Matt said earlier to our human supervised machine learning comes into place because those, I got a couple of stories I can maybe share here that, yeah. um, you know, about friendly fraud recently that happened to us um, where individuals, you know, they look like good purchases. One was actually a $12,000 worth of Colby Bryant signed memorabilia. And this individual <laughs> claimed back to the company that, you know what, uh, I didn't order this. I'm not a basketball fan. You know, I I don't even not a Kobe Bryant fan. Um and so, you know, our our chargeback investigation team went to work. Um if you found out that this individual was a huge Kobe Bryant fan, uh actually used to work indirectly for uh you know, one of the NBA owners. Um huh. and you know, we we ended up winning that for, you know, for our client. Um but, you know, to your question, it's it's all of it. But, you know, Definitely. it's those hopefully our machine learning algorithm can catch those those bot attacks those carding attacks um, you know at a really fast pace those friendly fraud ones those become a little bit more intense and that's where you know hopefully our chargeback investigation teams and you know not just us but those other companies out there that you know those individuals can can you know help these e-commerce companies recoup some of these losses because those can be the really difficult ones to fight.
1: Yeah. Okay, so so I personally love these kind of examples. I wonder if you have a couple more. Like if, yeah. if you have another Eric, if Matt has yeah. one. You know what? Um, I got I got I, I got
2: an interesting one uh, that you know that Matt actually alluded to. Um, so Samsung, big client of ours. We can use their name um, again. You know they there's they're on our website. So if, if fraudsters are doing research, <laughs> they know that. Uh, you know, we're we're probably protecting him. But there was a 85 inch TV. This actually just happened a week and a half ago. It was an 85 inch TV the thing was worth about $11,000. Um, individual did the the returns abuse, you know, he got it, I think he returned the box with a bunch of stuff inside of it. Um, and, you know, our chargeback investiga- investigation team went to work um, you know, did the work on behalf of, of the company and, and found out that this individual had, you know, and that's where the data of machine learning comes into play yeah. because we know certain things when, you know, because these these people aren't doing it to just one site. They're doing it to multiple sites. So they could be, you know, across several verticals, right? It could yeah. be doing it with shoes and and jewelry and and TVs. So that was a that was a pretty cool one that happened to us and kudos to you know to the chargeback uh, team on, on that one so we I'm, found I'm out s- that-
1: i'm smiling very widely here because that's actually uh, like i love sit here and that that's a, <laughs> now a scam online because yeah. that's a that's an old scam that used to happen in england when i was growing mm-hmm. up and uh and it would be some travelers would come into town and they would have typically TV boxes. And yeah. They would show you the TV. <laughs> and when you would turn around to get your money, the boxes would be swapped out with one that was full of something weighted and sealed. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, by the time you got home, you, yeah. you was you were screwed. So that's it's crazy. just,
2: you know, and COVID has accelerated all of this yeah, because it's great. just made it's just made everything so difficult. Uh returns abuse has been such a big, you yeah. know, such a big issue for, for merchants. Uh, you know forever but now specifically too and you to talk about furniture and, and these other things it's more expensive for these companies to take these items back and fraudsters know this now as, as you know matt said so um if but if you have data if you're working with a company that has the amount of data that knows that these individuals are doing this to other companies and you know we
1: can hopefully help and, and protect your business a little bit a little bit further Cool. I got I got a couple more questions, but Matt, did you have an example lined up? I'll just
3: check because that's yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we I, I, we see stuff all the time, but okay. you, you know, I'll give you kind of an interesting one that will give you a level of sophistication of kind of where things are going in the industry and why it's so important to partner with you know kind of these leading technology partners is that um, just recently we saw a, an attack where basically these fraudsters were using uh, malware to capture le- legitimate device ID and fingerprints so a device think about a device fingerprint as as it's it's what we have it's one of the best indicators of what the device is who owns the device it's like your own fingerprint right so like we are very confident in device fingerprints in, in general so these these fraudsters were able to spoof device fingerprints and spoof some of the phone numbers spoof some of the data and it was able to make it through a lot of the sophisticated uh, machine learning models and rules engines because of the fact that the malware has become so sophisticated that basically i can make myself digitally look like matt gomez and basically start start taking over your accounts i could potentially do password resets on your accounts and 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 get in if i get access to your email then it's all over right then i'm going to do password resets on all of your accounts, they're going to send an email to your, you know, send an email to your email. I'm going to capture that email. I'm going to, you know, do the do the reset, and then I'm going to delete the email before you even see it. So uh, we started seeing an, an attack in that, and the only way that we were able to stop them is they were able to, to spoof everything except for their altitude. So what we had to do is basically we were basically capturing device altitude at the time. And so, for example, if this guy was saying, "Hey, I'm I'm currently located in my Jeep or, or my," uh, address says my you know GPS triangulation is telling us that they're in Denver Colorado but when we look at the altitude it says you know 18 feet above sea level right Denver Colorado is <laughs> the mile high city right we know that something's off so like that's that's how sophisticated sometimes you have to go in order to stop the sophisticated networks. Wow
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I know
0: this yeah. isn't something I yeah. should
1: be digging but I'm so, I'm so into this that's that's crazy wow okay um. Yeah. Great example. <laughs> <Thanks>. yeah. <laughs> so, so Eric, one thing that you'd mentioned uh, on on your example was like for some furniture companies, for example, where um you know where it's just not worth them kind of taking it back and 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 to and all that. Is there some specific verticals in B 2 C retail that are that are more prone and and if they don't have a solution right now, they should probably be looking for one.
2: Absolutely. I mean, home goods is you know is probably one of the top verticals that we saw growth over the last year. Um, it's, you know, with everyone being at home, everyone, you know, doing upgrades to their car, to their house, to their, to their backyard. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how much you know, new furniture I bought for their <laughs> for our backyard. Uh, Cause we have a new house, but I, I'd say that's one of the top verticals that, you know, where we see a, a big problem and, and uh, you know, just the, the outdoor goods, the home goods um, you know, it's, it's a very difficult, you know business for people to be in because of the the returns abuse that has been
1: happening over the past year so I'd say that's
2: for sure one
1: awesome um, and then so kind of just to kind of wrap up a little here so from uh so if I'm a b B2, to b2c retailer you know I have my my com platform right now I'm seeing some indications that I'm getting you know some activity or I'm concerned about it what should I be looking at what sort of what sort of stack am I looking at? Am I looking at a, you know, a, a particular payment processor, payment gateway? Um, am I looking at a product like Signified? What, what, should, it be, what should I be looking for?
3: Um yeah, I I I'm happy to take a stab at it, Eric. Um so basically my, my answer is all of the above. Um really. So so you know, think of it, you know, one of the you know, payments is one of the as a huge and absolutely mission critical area that are is commonly overlooked. And our CEO, Ralph Dengelmeyer, actually just spoke about this. Um, you know, in a podcast. And, and that is the fact that a lot of people, a lot of companies out there, merchants out there, they have a, a product roadmap and they have this, this plan and they understand their growth opportunities and, and how they're going to target them. And so, so, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've also come in as a consultant, which I've done many times where there's always this question of build versus buy, right. And so should we build an in-house solution? Uh, you know, that's basically because it's going to be cheaper if we build an in-house solution right that's the pitch right. or should we bring in a, you know some subject matter experts or you know companies that really know what they're doing like the big players out there right there's there's four or five including eric that are, are really kind of the, the gold standard in the industry um and and it, it's i will argue this to the death but uh, basically unless you're google and you have billions of data points, it's usually not gonna play out very well, um, right? It usually, uh, what ends up happening is they're like, we're gonna just throw in a machine learning model, we're gonna flip it on and life's good and then it ends up taking a year of testing and the you know the capture rates low the false positives are high you just end up getting this mess and then you're paying you know a crazy amount of money for the data science team that's the, that's building the models and it ends up and really the other thing is this network effect that i've talked about before is really where you get a ton of value that people mm-hmm. forget about right if all of these merchants are using for example you know we, we can talk about signified if if there's hundreds of merchants in big data especially merchants that are in my Fix. If I'm Expedia, right, it would, it would. Who of me to use fraud prevention partners that potentially are also leveraging, uh, you know, or, or excuse me, uh, uh, companies that are leveraging a fraud prevention uh, partner that are within my space, like travel technology space, right? Mm-hmm. Because the fraudsters that are going to target my competition are probably going to target me as well, right. right? And so if their models are constantly seeing these behaviors come in, and their models are currently, are, are constantly, and their analysts, uh, just like Eric had mentioned, you know, if their chargeback analysts are seeing these new exploits and behaviors come in in real time they're able to identify and stop or prevent or mitigate uh, these uh, far more effectively and so there's a there's a bigger upfront cost or per transaction cost in some case usually it's a percentage with an indemnified model um, but if you look over the course of a period of time it mm-hmm. pays for itself exponentially uh, so that's really kind of kind of my uh, my two cents on it
2: yeah, that was great. And I, I just piggyback and just you know, if I'm talking to e-commerce companies, I just always tell them. I mean, focused on customer experience. I mean, look at yep. look at all the things that are out there that you know that can help your website uh, deliver the performance you want, and you know, can help your customers buy as as easy as possible. Um, So, I mean, Matt crushed it. So there's not a lot I want to add onto that. But say, yeah, just focus on customer experience, and you know, it's uh, yeah. So I mean, I think there's a lot of technologies out there, you know, that that can help you succeed, and you know, just make sure there's there's ones that are helping your site perform at the, the absolute best and giving the the best consumer experience for for us when we're when we're shopping on your site.
1: Absolutely. And I think, and I think, yeah, the, the the biggest point there is just that shared experience by you guys specializing in this. You're seeing everything across all the verticals and it's, it's that shortcut, right? Um, as opposed to seeing it one time for yourself and not knowing what to do with it. Awesome. So if people wanted to get in touch with you guys, uh, independently, what would be the best way to do that? Matt, maybe is, uh, is it your LinkedIn?
3: Yeah, yeah, sure. So L- L- LinkedIn's always great. So, uh, you know, you know, feel free to uh, feel free to reach out to me directly. I believe it's uh, vega.intel. So LinkedIn, uh, and then my, uh, I think it's slash IIN slash uh, vega.intel. Um, so that that would be a great way. Another thing is you feel free to email me at any time. It's V at bluesnap.com. Uh, that's always a great way. Happy to have conversations discuss if anyone has any fraud related questions. Um, also, I, you know, I have a podcast so if you want to learn a little bit about the fraud prevention space it's the fraud technology podcast we bring ceos executives uh on to talk about our space so any of those uh, any of those avenues is great awesome thanks matt
1: and you eric sure
2: yeah i mean same thing linkedin you know eric hartwell on linkedin uh go to signified's website signified.com um yeah otherwise you know talk to our friends at Acro Media. hopefully they'll they'll get us in touch uh, together so absolutely
1: well guys you've been great um I personally really enjoyed this. So, so if it, one person at least got a ton of value out of this. And, uh, yeah, I'll be in touch after this as well to, uh, to continue those conversations. And, uh, to everyone who's watching at the home, hope you found some value. Hope you found it helpful. Um, Again, myself, Matt Gomez. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on all the, all the things. Uh, Matt's probably looked me up and bought my profile already, in fact. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so you can hit him up if you need to get yeah, a hold of me. We saw your
3: data.com already, <laughs> <laughs> it. Perfect.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, everyone, have a good day. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.
2: Thank you. Appreciate You're it. Sure.